0: Women belong in the water. And when I say women, I mean anyone that is over the age of 18, a mother, uh, someone who has, you know, stretch marks and larger frame, um, older women belong in the water. I I just want to really hit that home because nobody ever tells women of different ages and abilities that they should be in the ocean. And I just want to say that you should be in the ocean if you want to be, and I celebrate you for, for pursuing that.
1: That was Elizabeth with Kirby Surfer Girl, and this is the Plant Remedy Podcast. What's up, y'all? So happy to have you here. How you doing? It's a new week and a new episode, and dare I say, we are back on track for our weekly episodes. I don't know, you guys, I don't want to jinx it, but with our new amazing and wonderful podcast manager, it looks like we might be back on track, which I'm so excited about. Um, Yeah, this week's episode is, personally, I'm just so excited for, I really needed the reminder, and I really needed, you know, the insight of Elizabeth from Kirby Surfer Girl, I personally have been, you know, terrified to get back in the water and get surfing again. And this was just like the little reminder I needed that it's okay to be scared. And, you know, it's hard as hell to find something to learn brand new as an adult and surfing is terrifying all in itself because of mother nature Um, and then you kind of add like all of these stigmas to surfing and it just makes it so much more intimidating. So Elizabeth in this episode is just so epic and just so honest, her story is honestly like so inspiring and I'm just so stoked you guys get to listen to this episode all around surfing and just kind of you know, women supporting other women, which y'all know I'm so down for. This episode is also about breaking down barriers and inclusivity in spaces where there is not inclusivity or where there hasn't been before. And it's, it's moving no matter what your passions are, your goals are, um, or what you are passionate about. This episode will definitely i almost said this recipe this it's it's not a recipe but it's kind of a recipe this episode will get you so inspired so let's get into it before we do i just want to remind you guys about our online membership it's honestly one of my favorite parts about what i get to do we have this amazing community of people who are actually all over the world cooking with us, learning with us every single week. And uh, yeah, it's just an amazing community space. We do virtual online cooking classes. We have on-demand nutrition trainings. We literally just did a class all around dog food. So we touch like so many different areas of the wellness space and just like holistic healing through the eyes of your kitchen. And right now you can get uh your first month free so just head to www.chefbay.kitchen forward slash cook vibe and you can get your first month free cook with me live get a professional chef and nutrition consultant that's me live in your kitchen every single month whenever it's convenient for you you can take our live classes or hop on it when it's pre-recorded on demand and yeah there's just so much juicy info in there So be a part of this growing community and I cannot wait to see you guys in there. Again, it's www.chefbay.kitchen forward slash cook vibe heal. All right, let's get into this super good episode with Elizabeth from Curvy Surfer Girl. I'm so freaking excited to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. I'm so happy
0: to be here and with your audience. It's an honor.
1: Yeah. I, uh, like I was telling you earlier, I selfishly wanted you on the show because I'm having my own roadblocks with just like surfer culture and surfing. And so just seeing what you're up to, I was just like, yes, we have to have this conversation. (laughs) So, um, to everyone listening, yes, this is a selfish little episode, but I know you're going to have so many good nuggets for everybody. Um, so yeah, thanks again. This is amazing. I am really
0: excited I always love exploring this topic with other women and sharing Mm -hmm. this message so thank you again for allowing it to reach so many ears
1: yeah totally so like since this is called the plant ready podcast I am a plant-based chef I always ask everyone like the first question or I'm getting into always asking everyone this but like what's your like favorite plant-based meal right now that you're just like vibing with
0: Oh, you know, I love potatoes, honey. I can eat <laughs> potatoes and Caesar salad until the cows come home. So that would probably be my favorite plant-based meal is like baked potatoes. potato yes. with, uh, with a salad.
1: Love it. I love potatoes too. I feel like they're such an underrated food. <laughs> like They're so uh, bad.
0: You know, I'm a Southerner, so um, yeah. potatoes are a big staple of most of our diet. So that's yeah. continued into my adult life.
1: Totally. So I'd love for you to tell listeners who maybe don't know you, like, what is your mission? Like, what are you all about? Like, what is the curvy surfer girl movement?
0: Sure. So the curvy surfer girl movement started, um, 11 months ago, next month will, will be one year we got to celebrate. Nice. Um, and it's really all about bringing women and women of, you know, body diversity into the ocean space through surfing. Um, this is a concept that has really not been done before. There was really only one woman mm-hmm. that was discussing this before myself, and that was Bo Stanley. And she's a professional surfer who was denied sponsorship opportunities because of her weight or oh size. God. And uh, one of you know the most incredible women and uh, professional female surfers. So before uh, before me, there was only her in the space. And now I'm doing it for more of a free surfer, amateur surfer um, audience and bringing the message of body positivity to the surf scene. Um, You know, I really believe that women of all shapes, sizes and ages can surf. But have really been prevented because of the surf industry and the surf media that we've been mm-hmm. fed for over the last thirty years. And so my my goal and my purpose is to create new images of the surfer girl that's more inclusive, and to really show women that they can be in the surfing space at just about any weight, um, and that it's acceptable to you know have your body type in the ocean represented.
1: Girl, I love this. Like this is amazing. You know, I live in San Diego and so I'm surrounded by surfers. My husband's an avid surfer. My ex-boyfriend was a professional windsurfer. So I've been in this space for a long time. But I myself has have never, ever, ever felt comfortable sitting in a lineup. Like literally ever. Like I look around at everyone. I feel like it's not a super welcoming space. And when I think about like what surfing should be, it's like, the environment, the ocean, it's like good vibes, you know, but when you kind of really get into that, like in my personal experience, I don't experience that. Um, And I talk to like so many women here in San Diego who feel the same way, you know, it just feels so intimidating and not super inclusive and to hear all the things that you're saying, and especially about bringing in body positivity of women's of all shapes and sizes, as you know, living in, you know, a each community, as I do, it can feel kind of like isolating when everyone is like super fit and like looking a super specific way and it doesn't feel inclusive at all. So, this is just like such a nice shift in mindset and perspective, especially even for me because. I've been like paralyzed with just like fear and uncomfortability getting out into the surfing space because of the fact that it is not inclusive. So I'm just like, so grateful that you're able to step in and kind of like be a voice and just be like, no, like there are waves for us, you know, like we belong out here
0: Well, I, I recently, um, discovered through some research that surf, there's about 35 million surfers worldwide. Wow. And of those 35 million surfers, 81% are men Mm -hmm. and 19% are women. So you go from 35 million to about 5 million women um, surfing worldwide. And I think that, that is a very clear indication of our society's expectations of women within this space um, right. is that you do need to be a specific um, age, look, and ability to be represented. And because of that, um, that narrative that has, that has gone on for so long, right. so many women feel the exact same way you do. Um, and I think it's a reason why it is only 19% of the of the world that's a female surfer, um, because they they haven't had the opportunity to even believe that they're supposed to be in that space, much less try and go against every stigma and stereotype that exists to be in it. So mm-hmm. um, so here, you know, we're creating that that new narrative, the narrative that you don't have to be a professional surfer to be a woman in the surf space. You can start surfing at any age. I have women on the platform that have recently taken up surfing in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. Oh my God, I love that. I do my best to showcase women of different ages, abilities, and sizes because I think age is another um, very prejudiced and discriminatory thing that the surf industry or surf media does to prevent Mm -hmm. women from surfing. Um, I think at every lineup you can go to, you'll see men of almost every age, shape, yeah. size, and ability out there. And there's True. like, no one even thinks about it twice. But when you see, um, you know, any, it's very rare, but when you do see older women, it's it's definitely not something that you even would know about. Right. And so even with different ages and abilities, I'm, I'm trying to highlight the gaps that have existed
1: for you know, the last 30 to 60 years that women have just been excluded. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so true. And it's embedded and it's not just even like advertising and swimwear brands and sponsors. I feel like it's also so embedded into like the mindset of men, male surfers, like out in the water as well. Like it doesn't feel, and kind of going back to that, that inclusivity and exactly what you just said. Like there's male surfers from literally like every single age, but you don't see that with women. Like I rarely see women even going out surfing by themselves. Um, and maybe this is why, you know um, yeah, this is like so interesting to me. And it's crazy to think that there's such a massive gap between men and women surfers in general. It's such a male dominated field, even still, which is kind of crazy.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, so I used, my former career was in, um, political science and the political space. And you see a lot of similarities with women becoming elected to office, right? It's the, the disparity is, is stark. You know, you have, Mm -hmm. um, white males primarily representing the entire country from the highest level of offices to the lowest level of offices and there, um, while I was studying political science, there was a lot of organizations and people trying to educate and inspire and give women the tools to run for office. And in a lot of ways, the work that I did when I was in political science parallels what I'm doing in the surf industry, because it's very similar. When you, when you only tell people um, for long periods of time, Intergenerational messages that this is who participates in these activities, um, that's what people come to view as the norm. And anyone that's not, you know, part of that norm is uh, obviously questioning themselves and their actions because it's not what society expects of you. Um, And I I point out that parallel because, you know, it, it takes women defying the odds and standing up to the status quo. Um, For things to change and evolve in a way that's more inclusive and diverse.
1: Wow. I feel that's I've been feeling that my whole career. So I went the traditional chef route, you know, I went to Le Cordon Bleu. I like really tried hard to make it in the traditional chef space. And I just like, I couldn't do it. Like I, the sexual harassment that I experienced the, like the jokes, like I was never taken seriously to the point where I just had to go off on my own. And even still to this day, I find when, like, if I'm at a restaurant or something, I'm like, Oh, I'm a chef. And like, we're talking to the chef they'll like these white men, literally The same thing. Well, look at me, like girl. No, you're not. (laughs) Yeah.
0: What the? Yeah. I mean, I've watched a lot of chef shows too. You know, that's a really popular thing on TV, and Mm -hmm. that is something I think that even Anthony Bourdain, before his passing, brought to light is Uh the the plight of female chefs and um, not being recognized in the industry. So, I mean, credit to you for once again, you know, women standing up and defying these odds and stereotypes and any way that you need to do it. I mean, sometimes it's not in the traditional space. I mean, that's what happened with me, right? Like, just like you, I went off and I did something that was totally separate from any corporate mainstream media perspective. Yeah, Um, And sometimes that's what you have to do as women. You have to create your own space to exist and share your message. And that's what we're able to do now through social media, which is like our personal television and radio (laughs) and you know, media for our own selves. Yeah. Uh, which is just incredible that women like us who never knew each other before, you know, get to connect and share this. I know, right? Hey, girl. <laughs>
1: I know it's true. I feel the same way. Like I always, when I was younger, wanted to like be a celebrity chef and like be on my own TV show and stuff. And I was like one social media. I was like, fuck it. Like I'm going to create my own podcast and like create my own show. Like I don't need someone to give me like that opportunity. Like I'm going to do that for myself. So I totally feel what you mean by that. We kind of have to create our own spaces um, because you know, the spaces that were there before just weren't cutting it. So it's, it's time for us to kind of create. So I wanted to ask you, like, I'm so curious to how you went from working in politics to now living in Hawaii surfing, like what a transition I'd love to hear, like kind of what your breaking point was working in politics and what kind of caused you to kind of pick up your whole life and just move.
0: Well, I had visited Hawaii originally, um, over fall break in college when I was 21 And I thought I was just going to take a vacation and I'd never seen turquoise water ever in my life. grew up in rural Northeast Texas and then subsequently Arizona. And when I went to Hawaii, I had a very uh, beautiful, spiritual, life-changing connection to the island and it stayed with me after I left. Um, I tried surfing there for the very first time while I was um, on vacation. And after five years of studying abroad, of living in Washington, D.C. and becoming a lobbyist, um, coming back and doing major senatorial campaigns, congressional campaigns, um, I was working at a small firm for um, environmental relations. So we would work towards saving and uh, continuing to press our our elected officials to preserve our national parks, clean air, clean water initiatives the EPA yeah. um, had in place for the last you know thirty plus years. Um, and when uh, President Trump was elected, our organization was um, unfortunately dismantled in the capacity it was in because. Um, the senior officials that we needed to work with were just not going to, um, they they weren't really going to help us in any way with Mm. a lot of the initiatives that we had towards these projects. So our organization was dismantled and I had to make a decision if I was going to return to Washington, D.C. or if I was going to go to Hawaii. And I'd already lived in Washington, D.C. I knew that i I would be very successful as a career woman there, but probably unfulfilled as a person. Mm -hmm. And so um, it was really kind of a divine intervention. Um, All of these doors opened for me to go to Hawaii uh, in a domino effect like order. I, I got a job. I was able to buy a new car and have it shipped over. I had a Hawaiian family on the east side of the island agree to host me for as long as needed to get my housing in order. Um, So just a whole series of events unfolded and I came to Hawaii. And one of the things on my vision board that I stated and I wrote down was that I wanted to become a surfer. I had no clue I would become a surfer in this capacity, but I just (laughs) knew that I wanted to be a surfer. That was one of my stated goals. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was the first thing I did when I came to Hawaii was find a surf school. So I love that. that's,
1: That's the transition. Oh, that's so amazing. I just like saw your face light up when you were like, and then I moved. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) go after it. That's so incredible. Um, so what was it like for you? Like first surfing for me, like I'm terrified. Okay. I have the best surfing experiences when I'm in Hawaii, mainly because the water's warm. You're not in a wetsuit. Like there's kind of waves for every different type of skill level, which I really like on so many different islands. But like, what was it like for you integrating into Hawaiian surf culture? Cause we talk about like surf culture, which is intense, but then Hawaiian surf culture is like next level exclusive. They don't really let new people in. And I've experienced that firsthand. And so I'm wondering like what it was like for you, not only as a beginner, but as a woman and as someone from the mainland, like, what was that like for you?
0: Well, let's start off at the beginning.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I had
0: severe PTSD because I was lost at sea in the Gulf of Mexico and nearly lost my life. Oh, my God. So I was going into this with pretty severe PTSD of the ocean. Right. Um, Before coming to Hawaii, I would have panic attacks if I was more than ankle deep in the ocean. Wow. And I still struggle with panic attacks to this day, Mm -hmm. but they are more in check because I have expanded my knowledge and I've worked with so many incredible professionals to get me to where I am that I can kind of control those emotions better than I could when I first started. So that's where I was starting. Um, everything that you said is very valid. Mm -hmm. Um, it is an exclusive, culture here and you really have to put your time and, um, your work in to be, to be accepted in the community. Um, there's a lot of expectations of you, um, being part of that community. Um, so going into beginner status, I was about 210 pounds when I started surfing, uh, which was quite heavy for Mm -hmm. someone that's only five feet tall. And my surf school, Ohana Surf Project, is where I went to, you know, seek out professional assistance in my surfing. Yeah. I, di- I was really terrified of drowning and I just had no clue what to do and how to be on a board, um, much less I didn't possess the strength needed to be a surfer. Mm. That really takes um, about, you know, six to eight weeks to develop the upper body strength alone and the process of developing that strength as a surfer is grueling. It really is. <laughs> it, it is. And I it tell sucks. that to everybody, it doesn't matter what your size is. Yeah. You can be a double zero or a 22. It's still the same pain of trying to learn how to paddle. It is um, rough. It's rough stuff. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. It just, it just takes some time, but once mm. your body does develop those muscles and the Um, the strength, you're, you're good to go, but it is really discouraging while you're going through the process. (laughs) Um, So I had an incredible surf instructor that has been mentoring me for the last four years. Wow. And her name is Chelsea and she's really the reason that I became a surfer. And um, she stuck with me when I didn't believe in myself, when I felt like I, you know, quote unquote, couldn't go out. Um, And that is really how I was able to enter the surf universe is through Ohana surf project and their consistency. I mean, they're there literally 365 days a year um, to teach people how to surf. And because the break is known for that, you know, uh, to be employed by that surf school, right? Uh, People respect that there are beginner surfers in the line and they're sweet and kind and uh, compassionate towards new learners. So that was really the best place for me. Mm. And uh, for, for any uh, beginner surfer that's really looking for guidance in their surf journey. I think that that break and that surf school in particular is um,
1: exemplary. So what were some tools that you used to like push past that fear, um, in surfing? And I think these tools obviously could be used for anything, right. That we're afraid of, but like, it is scary. And I'm sure there were plenty of mornings where you woke up and you were like, "Mm, I'm good. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, I I struggled
0: with that a lot, actually. You're right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in the very beginning, I had a lot of breakdowns. And I think women across the spectrum are afraid to admit when they cry in the ocean or when they have an emotional breakdown because maybe it comes off as weak. But I talk about it because I know that if you're just getting into surfing, it's going to happen. You're, mm-hmm. you're going to have moments where either inside or outside the water, you have um, emotional breaks because it's a very challenging thing to learn how to do. Um, and then especially as you start transitioning to doing it completely individually without your instructor's. Um, it becomes even more challenging. So, you know, I, I, what I learned for myself is that learning about the ocean and learning about um, myself on the board and and how everything is kind of working together um, from you know, a technical capacity really helped me a lot. Mm. Um, I simultaneously took up free diving when I took up surfing. Cool. So I was learning about breathing techniques and really staying calm in high pressure, high stakes environments. I mean, in free diving, you know, we go 60 to hundred feet at the level that I'm at and you have to maintain your calmness when you're 60 feet underwater, because If you panic at 60 feet, that's when dangerous things can happen. And so I was learning all of these things um, alongside my surfing journey, and that really helped me. And then as I stated, being with people smarter than me, more experienced than me, when uh, waves were breaking, you know, I could learn, okay, you need to sit behind the breaking wave. It may look scary because it's building and there's this wall of water. But if you're sitting where you are, you're going to get hammered by it. So you need to go further back. And then, of course, there's the psychological aspects. The Mm. um, one time my surf instructor said, you know, don't don't take things so personally, Uh, meaning when a wave does, you know, inevitably crash on you and and turn your universe upside down. Don't take it personally. Just let it go. Mm -hmm. Uh, Easier said than done when your Mm -hmm. adrenaline is through the roof.
1: (laughs) And you get thrashed and you come up and you're like, oh my God.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. So, you know, just kind of, um, oh, and learning that it happens to everybody. Right. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times when we're going through life, we think that uh, the things that we're experiencing are a very isolated incident. Like, like people who are better than me don't experience this or people who are safer than me don't experience what I just experienced. But, right. you know, really learning that this happens to everybody in surfing and it they mm-hmm. just all interpret it and react to it differently. Right. And it's not right or wrong, um, but it's like if you want to have the resilience and the perseverance you need, maybe consider responding to it like this instead of that. So for me, instead of having a panic attack, it was getting back on my board and saying, okay, I need to take a break. Let me breathe. Let me surf the inside. If that was too big for me, really just kind of re strategizing, regrouping. Um, those are some techniques that helped me get through a lot of stuff. Um, and really the mentorship, because there was just so much I didn't know about the ocean that I had to learn. Mm. So um, the education component, I think is number one for me with, totally because I just didn't understand Uh, The ocean. So I I had to understand how waves form, where they're breaking, where I need to be. Uh, And then when you get that, there's a sense of comfort because now you understand something that you previously didn't. You can avoid um, getting as many thrashings.
1: the ultimate word for it. Yeah. It's true with anything too. Like when you educate yourself and you can kind of like better understand it from a bird's eye view, you don't feel so like personally like involved in this little world of fear and panic. You can kind of see it from- the other side. And it's something that my husband tells me all the time. Cause like I'll go out and I'll be like, all these people are looking at me. Like you don't belong here. Like I say that all the time. I'll be like, I don't belong out here. And he's like, literally no one gives a fuck about you out here. So like, you just need to remember that. Like, like nobody cares, you know, just get over that. And I think that's so true with anything in life. Like we personalize so much stuff, but everyone's so involved in their own little bubbles that like most of the time they don't really care.
0: Yeah. I would agree with that. A lot of women tell me um, that they're scared to try surfing because they're going to look silly. And I'm like, honestly, there's nothing that anyone surfing out there has not seen before. You yeah. know what I mean? And they don't really care. They're fo- Like you said, they're focused on their waves, right. on their moment of glory for themselves, right? Like yeah. what they need to be working on that day. They are not looking around unless you're putting them in danger, right? Unless you're a total beginner, that's- yeah. Um, putting the lineup in danger then of course people are going to be looking at you to to try to get you you (laughs) where you need to be (laughs) (laughs) so but for the most part you know if you're out there with your surf instructor or you're at a beginner break and you're practicing you're right nobody is looking at you nobody's concerned with your weight your height your stretch marks Mm -hmm. what you're wearing they're so self-involved and I think that should give a lot of women reassurance you know that yeah you're you're not out there being judged by the lineup, like people. You know, there are tourists in every surf break of the world. Nobody is really like, look at that tourist. You know, unless,
1: like I said, <laughs> unless you're doing
0: something <laughs> ridiculous.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I love that. So, what was kind of like the transitional point from you learning how to surf and like living in your dream and kind of like living this life? to realizing like the gap in the industry, realizing that there's not really good representation for women of all sizes, even people of color, you know, I'm, I'm like, that's so like, there's just not a lot of representation in the surfing industry. So where did that kind of like transition happen for you from learning how to surf and like, how did you eventually kind of get involved in starting your movement?
0: Well, I was always the largest woman in any ocean activity I was participating Mm in. And it's still, you know, with with the exception of when I get my group of girls together to do uh, projects, it's still usually the case. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I mean, it's gotten way better since I started this. I can't tell you how many women I've seen of different sizes out there just in the last year. I mean, it's really extraordinary. Um, But in the beginning, for sure, I was always the largest woman in the ocean that was in my group, my space, my break. Um, and for a long time, I just accepted it. I was like, you're just the fat girl in the group and that's okay. Um, you know, if anything, you get to make other women feel great about themselves (laughs) because, you know, they, uh, they're, they're going to comparatively, right. They're going to be a lot smaller and probably feel better. Um, but I really didn't think too much of it because honestly, I was so stoked to be in the ocean. Yeah. I was like, I was just very—I'm a—I'm really a comedian, so I would just make jokes, and mm-hmm. um, I think the jokes would just kind of help me feel better about the situation because we could all right. la- like laugh it off and yeah. uh, not make a big deal out of it. And so, after years of this, um, about you know three years of really that being the case, I had just accepted that it—it it was normal. I'm like, I don't get to wear the same cute stuff the other girls get to wear because it doesn't really come in my size. Mm. And then I lost a lot of weight. Uh, I went from 210 to 150.
1: Wow. And then I
0: I was suddenly the, you know, in my own brain, I was the it girl. I mean, I had abs. I was like looking so good comparatively. Right. Yeah. And then um, I gained weight again after a year later. And so for that one year period that i was about 150 pounds i was cruising man i was like oh my god i can buy anything i want wherever i want it's mm. amazing it's cute it's like just the whole world <laughs> opened up to me as a smaller female and then when i gained weight i went from 150 to 175 which is my current weight um a lot of those options started dwindling yet again mm. And that was the very beginning of this concept. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Okay. At 150 pounds, I get access to like pretty much anything that any, you know, swimsuit company, water company makes. I have wetsuit options. I have, I have bikinis. I have long sleeve rash guards. I have everything I could want to have at 150 pounds, which is a size eight for me. And When I went back up to 175 and I became a size 12, 14, then everything got cut off. So I started thinking to myself, I'm like, well, am I just like not worthy? Like, do I, am I not, is it not okay that I look like this and I want to be in the ocean? Like, why, why don't I get to participate at this size and have the options that I had? And it really took a toll on me because I saw... Mm -hmm. the thin privilege, right? Mm -hmm. I I experienced it firsthand. And um, so that was the beginning. And then as I went on, I was working at the state capital of Hawaii. I was the communications director at the house. Everything was going swimmingly. And then the pandemic hit Mm -hmm. and lost my job. And this was the second period of unemployment here in Hawaii for me. So I was really having a personal crisis over it. And I mean, it was like a crisis. I was just like on the verge of a nervous breakdown. I was like, what are we all going to do? You know, like this is the second time I've gone through this. So I paddled out to the ocean and I was surfing and I was crying and I was talking to the ocean and I just said to the ocean, I'm like, I want to do something that is greater than myself. And I want it to be connected to the ocean because this is where I'm most alive. And I prayed that prayer over and over again. And I said, just please make me a vessel for something greater than myself. And when I got out of the ocean, I looked, I opened up my Instagram in my car and I saw Kanoa Green, who is another um, plus size influencer in the fitness space. Mm. And she was holding a surfboard on the beach as a plus size woman. And that was the first time it dawned on me. There is nobody our size representing women in surfing. And I said, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to call it curvy surfer girl. And the next month I went out and I got the first images to start the page.
1: Amazing. I love that. That's so amazing. Like, it's so true. They just like, don't make clothes for curvy women, like. I mean, I have a struggle finding things like I, like, it's just, it's crazy. Like for hips or anything, that's not just like this tiny little box shape. And then, yeah, you get into like swimsuits and wetsuits and stuff. Um, Yeah. It's almost like even men are designing these wetsuits and you're just kind of like, what is happening here?
0: (laughs) Yeah. You're, you're not wrong. Um, I mean, from my understanding, wetsuits do not uh, in, in exceptionally rare cases, wetsuits do not exceed a size, uh, 14 women's internationally. Mm, So that, that just goes to show you, um, it's, it's, that's what the industry expects. If you're above that size, um, everyone inside the manufacturing of these organizations just assume or have decided that you don't get a wetsuit.
1: Yeah. That's so frustrating. So what has your experience been like working with brands? Cause I was, you know, I've been cruising your Instagram and I see that you have been, you know, like just talking about swimsuits and like what's fitting well. And I think like that's super important, but have you had a hard time working with brands? Do you feel like some of it is kind of like, they're trying to just put on a, a kind of a front, like they're, Oh, like they're inclusive, but they're not like super inclusive or like, what has it been like trying to kind of like navigate the brand space and finding like surf wear, especially bathing suits that actually are functional for surfing. Cause I swear to God, like 95% of them are not, you know, and then yeah. functional on a body that has curves on it. So like, what has your experience been?
0: Um, most companies, and I'm going to say 90% of them, maybe even mm-hmm. 95% of them have been absolutely amazing to work with. Yeah. And some of the work we have done together has resulted in companies agreeing to expand their sizes, which to that. me is the ultimate work. Uh, it, it's the ultimate compliment and, um, victory for what we're doing. Um, I'm, I'm really in a sense, very lucky that I'm a size 12, 14, Mm -hmm. because I can still wear, um, as long as they have an extra large, I can still wear most of the mainstream brands. Mm. And at the very least I can show what their largest size looks like on a woman, which in and of itself, most brands don't have women showing what an extra large looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's what we did with Rip Curl. Rip Curl was absolutely incredible to work with. I loved their team and they were ultra supportive. Um, I decided to do a curvy surfer girl group project where I brought together eight women, including myself, to create the first historical images of women surfing in a plus size body type. And it was a body diversity shoot that uh, Rip Curl, you know, wanted to be part of. And so they only go up to an extra large, but I was able to find a suit to fit every girl, um, Mm. on, on my campaign and the largest size, I think was a 20 in our, uh, group of women and the smallest size was a, a medium sized woman. So we, we really got to show the world that for the first time with a major surf brand behind us that, um, All of us do surf and that, you know, at least in an extra large, here's what we all look like. Mm. Um, and as we keep going, there's more and more brands that are really excited about that possibility of, you know, at the very, very least showing what their extra large looks like on that body and doing fit tests and, um, allowing me to do honest reviews of their product, um, publicly. And then, like I said, in the best case scenario, if that's their largest size, um, they start having the conversation about uh, expanding their sizes to to include more women and different body types. And I think that that's an important thing to note. It's it's easy to maybe just say, well, we can make a two or three XL, but really, what happens is when you when you jump from that extra large space, you know, into two and three XL you have to take into consideration that bodies are very different at those sizes. Yeah. Uh, Breasts are larger, stomachs are larger, hips are larger and you have to just be um, very thoughtful with the design and the engineering of the suits to make sure that they, they do fit and they do hold us in um, and they stay in place while we're doing a high impact activity like surfing or swimming um, or any other, you know, activity that you do in a
1: swimsuit. Right. And that's so, not like super tight in like an uncomfortable area. Yeah. I totally understand that. Yeah.
0: So for me, um, the, the m- majority of brands I've worked with are absolutely amazing to work with. A lot of them are women owned businesses, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> excuse me, which I love to support. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are a few that I've had some, um, some quarrels with over, I think maybe some of the authenticity or the intention behind it or their actions after, uh, we've done a campaign. Like one time, um, I did a full campaign for our brand and they used two photos of me and like 50 images of the other really petite girls. Mm. And, um, you know, for me, I think that that, that action is very, um, you know, indicative of not necessarily fully, fully supporting that kind of, um, that kind of demographic. It's, it's right. like doing one post in every, you know, one post a month of someone who's a different body shape or size. Um, I, I think that it's, it's hurtful in a lot of ways. And I think if your company is interested in doing an inclusivity or diversity campaign, I really encourage them to think about how they can continue to incorporate women of different sizes once they've done a single campaign. Um, Because it it is really hurtful to go on there and only see, you know, one or two images of you from an entire campaign that's been done. Um, And then like just three times the amount of women that are uh, more than half your size being featured. So that, that's like an example of one thing. And, and I know it's hard for organizations and especially individuals to understand how to navigate this. So I always try to be a resource to people. I, I really try not to jump to, um, you know, attacking them or criticizing mm-hmm. them. I understand it's a very difficult thing to do. And everyone's new to it, including myself. A lot of this I've never done before. Um, so I'm, I always in the, in the best of my abilities, I try to be supportive, but when I feel like something is just being intentionally done, um, then I, I try to also call it out because that's the accountability factor that I think we all have to have when we're doing uh, professional work and saying, Hey, look, you know, I know you thought this was a good idea, but, um, this is what your actions are telling the world when you do X, Y, Z and maybe try and Consider doing it differently.
1: Well, and I think too, like specifically swimwear brands have kind of a lot of um responsibility when it comes to just like overall representation and also, um, like mental health for women, you know, like we, we have the term influencer, it's very popular, but also brands are influencing so much, you know? And so, and I think so much happens, especially when we're getting into swimwear and surfing and being comfortable in the ocean, like a lot of like mental health, I feel like goes behind that from the people who are like scrolling on these pages, like really wanting to find, representation of something that looks like them. And even, you know, teenagers, younger women, I think that that's so true too. Like if you don't see representation of something that someone who looks like you, you don't really feel like you necessarily belong in that space.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And a lot of times I think it's been predetermined who does participate in that space, just like surfing. Exactly. Right? It's been predetermined that women above this size through what they sell and -hmm. what they make and the Mm -hmm. images that are promoted, that this is the expectation of you. And so now with the rise of influencers and social change makers like myself, you know, we get to see the alternatives um, and it wasn't even very long ago that we have, we, we've started this body positive movement.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I really, I think it's only about six years old, more or less. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. It, it's pretty new. I mean, it wasn't something that was happening when I was in college. I didn't know who Ashley Graham was.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, she came on the scene in, in relatively recent years as a po- popular public figure. Right. So, um, Yeah, I agree. I think that it does take a huge toll on women's mental health and their belief in themselves and uh, what's what's possible for women, because you just don't when you're not like you said, when you're not seeing yourself in any of these spaces. I mean, it implies if it's not directly even told to you that you need to look like this if you want to participate.
1: Right. And the reality is, is that like most women are super curvy. (laughs) Like that's the right. If you look at like the average woman, like, all, mostly all women I know have stretch marks and like have a struggle fitting into like a bra size or a jeans or, you know, like all women are so differently shaped and like, that's not what's represented most of the time. And of course we're seeing changes, but yeah, it's really nice to know that, you know, there are people like you who are working super hard to change that narrative because yeah, representation is important. And I think about younger generations like young teens right now on social media, that's so much information to constantly be taking in as a young teenager. Like, shit, I thought it was hard with like MySpace. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember. Yeah, exactly. I have MySpace
0: and Facebook were our day.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like early, early Facebook, you know, but now it's like Instagram, TikTok, like there's so much on there. So I think that, you know, you do have a responsibility to really like, You know, especially if you are public and you want to, especially as a brand, like you have a responsibility to show up for all types of people.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I I talk about this sometimes on my page, which is um, we are really negatively affected if we are consuming information daily that is not in alignment with our identity. So if you're following a lot of influencers that have plastic surgery that are living, <clears throat> extravagant lives that have immaculate homes. Um, I mean, the, really the spectrum is endless, with, right. especially with women on social media. Mm-hmm. But if you're following like fitness influencers and housewives that have perfectly organized, decorated homes, and then yes. you know, you're following uh, rich girls that have tons of plastic surgery. Um, mm-hmm. If that's what you're consuming every day, you are absolutely going to think something is very wrong with you um, totally. because you're not living up to those expectations of these other yes. women. Oh my god! Um, so, true. so you have to really edit your social media to make you feel um, inspired and alive, enlivened, and um, good about yourself, and that's important. Like if you're following an account and you feel bad about yourself after you see those people, that is an account that you need to delete and replace with something else, you know, replace it with the Brene Brown, um, replace it with a Michelle Obama or another public figure that's in alignment with you. That's maybe not so focused on appearance
1: um, right.
0: with, with women who are changing uh, the narrative, you know, authors are really always a great social media, you um, you know, women like you that are in the chef space. um, These are things that make us feel good about ourselves.
1: And that's how I felt when I saw your page, to be totally honest. Like I, cause I do, okay. I do the same thing. Like I'll follow all these fitness accounts for like inspiration to like get in shape or whatever. And then I'm just like constantly like, fuck, I need to be more in shape, like all the time. Like that narrative is going through my head all the time. And I have endometriosis too. So I get this like crazy endo belly that looks like I'm six months pregnant. So I'll have all this fitness. And then all of a sudden I'll look six months pregnant and I'm like, fuck. And then I get on Instagram and I'm like seeing all these like, Six packs and abs and stuff. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm never going to get there, you know? But then I went on your page and I was like, oh my God, I even told my husband, I was like, let's go surf this weekend. He looked at me like, what? <laughs> <laughs> He's That's like, are amazing. you amazing? Okay?
0: <laughs> I honestly, when people tell me that, it just makes me so happy because that was my whole goal with this Instagram page is like for women to go there, see me, see my friends, see whoever I can you know, um, build this community with visually speaking yeah, and have them feel good about themselves. I mean that I didn't want people to come on there and be like, Oh God, I can't look like her. You know? Mm -hmm. I I mean, I think that is, that's, what's the toxic thing. And I, I followed a lot of accounts where I was like, Oh my God, I feel like trash about myself now. Like, how did she get a nose like that? How do her, how does her face in general look like that? How do her, How does she, you know, do X, Y, and Z? And My why focus is, she driving is always that
1: car The abs. I'm always like, fuck.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm a face person. I'm like, okay. how? Because you know, people do so many things to alter their faces. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how does their face look like that? It's not. Normal. You know, it's like the card, it's the Kardashian effect, right? Oh, I mean, totally. like, how did how did Kylie Jenner go from looking the way she looked as an adolescent to what she looks like now? I
1: can't. Um, I had to and, unfollow her. I, I just can't. I was like, girl, this is like too much. <laughs> like the, yeah, I don't believe but, any of this. Yeah.
0: But then there's all the replicas. And that's what I was seeing all over right. Instagram where like the Kylie Jenner, you know, Kim Kardashian replicas. And, I, you know, for a long time, like I grew up on Keeping Up With The Kardashians. That totally. was like the it yeah. show in mm-hmm. high school. So I was really glued to it. And I have psoriasis and I was watching the episode where Kim got diagnosed with psoriasis. So Mm. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. But as you got, you know, as I got older and I kept seeing all of these women alter their faces and bodies, I was just like, uh, is this what I need to be doing? Like, do I need to be saving up $20,000 to go like get a smaller stomach and rounder butt and, uh, brow lifts and nose jobs and. God only knows the list is endless. Well,
1: and when Um, you really look into why they're doing that, it's because they also feel so much pressure to look a certain way from the media, from press, from expectations to where it's like, they feel so pressured so that they then kind of cave and do all of this plastic surgery. Um, And it's just kind of like sad, you know, it's just, it is sad. And I,
0: and I think that honestly, like it's, it's going to be very weird to say this, but I feel like, um, people in a higher income females in a higher income bracket just have different faces from the rest of the population. Yeah. You know, it's almost like a, a, a sign of wealth to have a face that looks like that because, you know, you can't afford to be altered and you can't afford to look like these other celebrities. And what my goal is, is to say, you know, um, we all feel that pressure, but it's still acceptable for you to be who you are. And right. even for me, It's a struggle. And I wrote about that on my page the other day with the whole uh, altering our our body image to try and fit this plastic surgery narrative.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you know, what I teach too, is like a lot of how you look is how you, what you put on the inside of your body, you know, like there's all these expensive skin treatments and things to like lift your eyes, but like so many things that you can do to kind of feel like you're radiant and glowing is by what you put inside your body, not necessarily what you do to the outside of it. Cause you can truly change and kind of like, Enliven yourself just by like what you're eating or how you're exercising, or if you're getting sun, like getting salt water, like all of these things can really help you get that glow that people spend like crazy money to get those serums, you know, or like whatever. And to anyone listening, like if you have gotten plastic surgery or you do get fillers, like we're not bagging on you by any means. And if that's, oh no, I got Botox. Yeah. (laughs) Like if that's something that makes you happy, then that's amazing. But it's also just like dropping that expectation of that in order to be worthy, you have to do those things because that's definitely not true.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's where I was going with that as well. I totally support women's decisions to do uh, whatever they would like to do to themselves to feel great about themselves. I know a lot of people lose drastic amounts of weight and they need to get excess skin removed. I mean, there's plenty of reasons that are totally right. like, you know, amazing, even if you want to alter yourself. Um, But yeah, everything you said is true, really, what you're feeding your mind and your body and the way that you're living your life, are you living your life in a way that is encouraging other women that's uplifting them? Or are you, you know, someone who needs to work on improving? Like, how can I support other women? You know, maybe I do feel jealous, but um, how can I transform that jealousy into, you know, a strength that can support myself and other women? Um, yeah. I think these are all things we're, we're working on, um, on different levels. And mm-hmm. that is, you're right. That is what makes a radiant and beautiful person is when someone gets to meet you and feel better about themselves after they've talked to you.
1: 1,000%. And it's like, you know, growing up in the, as nineties kids, like, it was very much competition. It was very much like girls, like bullying girls. It's like, it was kind of like, that was, we were always in competition with each other. We're always jealous of each other. I had horrible experiences in high school being bullied by other girls. And now that I'm older, it's kind of like when you win, I win, we all win, you know, like we're all in this together. We're all fighting for the same thing. As essentially, you know, we all want the same things. We all want to feel accepted and loved, and we all want to look in the mirror and love what we see. And I think in order to really look in the mirror and love what we see, we have to create a community that like is supportive on us, like accepting each other, you know, cause I think it starts there.
0: Absolutely. I love everything you said. I mean, I don't know exactly when this consciousness shift happened where women were just like, I'm going to uh, fervently support other women, yeah. but I discovered it probably two years ago because mm-hmm. um, I was always like women are the enemy. Right. Totally. I, and I think that that's what we have been conditioned to believe. Like other women are the enemy. Like you mm-hmm. can't be, f- you know, if you're friends with a lot of girls, you are, you know, part of this squad of people that are going around harassing people. Right. I mean, like, like clearly, that you can't just, sit example. with us mindset. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. You know, so, um what became popular for a long time I think in our teenage and early uh adolescent years was you have to be friends with a lot of guys isn't that shows that you're you're, you're a cool. cool easygoing girl that's not going to like harass me
1: um, oh my god that is so funny I was friends with all skater boys like I was like... I know
0: we all were like anyone that wasn't part of like
1: the popular crowd that was oh our like so
0: we were funny. the lone females in these male pods <laughs>
1: Um, I am died. So, that is hilarious. That's so true.
0: I feel like we were the alternate females is really mm-hmm. what it was. Yeah. <laughs> we were the non-conformist. <laughs> um, yeah. But I don't know, like within the last two or three years, there's just been this massive like feminine awakening and revolution where uh, I'm I am so here for it that we are all just like, yes, girl. Yes, girl. You know, you do you. And yeah, and I love that so much. And I honestly, there are women I'm sure that absolutely abhor me um, because of God knows what reasons I'm,
1: you know, I'm not going to go there. I'm sure. If you're not picking some people off, you're not doing it right. (laughs) 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 Sadly, that's the case. So, you know,
0: and and I think it it goes back to just like, it's a very hard space to become part of, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, especially here in Hawaii, it's a very small community, but even women that don't like me, when they win, I still celebrate their wins because oh, yeah. there's so little happening for women in this space. That even if you don't like me, even if you know there's trash talk behind the scenes, I'm still going to publicly like celebrate every win that you have because it takes all of us. And right now, there are very, very few of us um, mm-hmm. that are really making any waves in in this particular area. Um, so I just love seeing women winning. I I absolutely will not stop believing that I, because it took me so long to even get to a mindset where that was something I could celebrate. It, yeah. it was just ingrained in me for so long that if some, if another woman is winning, then you're losing and it's right. just not, it's not the case.
1: No, not at all. So like I have, one of the questions I was going to ask you, which is like a perfect segue to How have you noticed like your community grow and show up and change like locally in Hawaii, but also, you know, having this platform on social media, like how have you been able to kind of see the shift in other plus size women or just more diversity within the surfing space? And like, I would love to hear just maybe like a couple stories or just like things that you've noticed, um, from just kind of like the impact that you've had from what you're doing, just like the confidence you're giving other people.
0: Yeah, I will tell you firsthand. I mean, I will paddle out to canoes, which is a very popular local break. And yeah. I have seen more curvy surfers than I have ever seen in my entire life in a single day. Um, absolutely way more than I saw a year ago, which it just still to this day, I can't even believe it. Um, I had women messaging me telling me the same thing. They're like, there's more curvy surfers than I've seen. And, and this is like worldwide. You're just like women have, after they found this platform and this movement, women started telling me that they took up surfing. Um, some of them are coming on to the public influencer space. Um, Jeannie Benini is one of them. She's in Bali. And she said, after she found the movement, she started surfing, uh, two months later and she started getting surfing pictures and sharing that. And now she's, you know, really a great plus size advocate in the Instagram space. And, there's just more and more women that are coming on board and believing in themselves after they've seen this. And I get messages literally every single day saying that I'm going to try surfing for the first time in my life, because now I believe I can do it. Mm. Um, it, It's just extraordinary, you know? So, yeah, Yeah. I mean, you see it both in the lineups and then you see like a lot of internal shifts, Uh, women who would never take pictures or wear a swimsuit, are taking pictures of themselves. They're wearing two pieces, one pieces. They're, um, exploring, you know, how to learn how to surf. And, um, it's just amazing. It's really a revolutionary thing that's happening, not just here in Hawaii, but around the world, Australia, UK, Brazil, Mexico. Uh, I've got people from
1: everywhere, Europe, you know, France, Germany, And I think what that's going to do like over time is really just change the way that like the vibe is out in the lineup in general, you know what I mean? Like a more inclusive space, which then the brands will, and all the sponsors will kind of naturally fall into because that's what people are expecting and want, you know? So that's honestly so incredible. I'm just like, so excited for you. I'm so happy to have met you and to be connected to you. Um, and now I'm super inspired and motivated to surf. although I'm still terrified of it. Like I'm totally going to do it.
0: You know what? I think it's okay to be terrified. I was mm-hmm. also terrified. And I know as women we're were, I, I think we're conditioned to believe that everything needs to be perfect in order for us to do anything. Like mm-hmm. there needs to be a set of Uh, steps laid out before us. And we need to have, you know, we need to have prepared ourselves by working out or losing weight or doing this. It's okay to be afraid, not know what you're doing and learn. Mm -hmm. Surfing is a very challenging thing. In four years, I am still learning from my mentors and my surf instructors on how to do things. I'm still working on basic things, pop-ups, etiquette, Mm -hmm. uh, cutbacks. So I just want women to know, including you today, like it is a okay to be totally afraid and terrified and still tackle that fear and go out and try something that is super fun.
1: Oh my God. I'm so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have you in my head this weekend because I'm totally going to go out. The waves like are only three feet. So I think I could manage Perfect. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. That's a
0: beautiful three foot waves are amazing.
1: I know, and then not that too like big, occasion- not too small. occasional six comes out of nowhere, and you're like, "Oh my god,
0: <laughs> girl! You just
1: from? you just duck
0: down." You you <laughs> know, whenever I see whenever I see a six foot wave coming for me, and there's no escaping it, it's like, "Okay, I'm going to admire this giant wall of water. I'm going to try to bring my heart rate down. I'm going to take one giant breath, and I'm going to pretend like I am in an underwater ballet." Oh my god! Because I'm gonna, that. I'm literally going to go any direction the ocean wants to take me. So I'm just <laughs> going to like dance underwater. I'm going to unclench my jaw, mm-hmm. relax my shoulders, and I'm going to let the ocean dance with me underwater.
1: Oh my God. I love that. I did ballet and for 10 years. So that really resonates.
0: Yeah. That's, that's kind of what it is, right? I mean, when you're doing mm-hmm. ballet, you're totally free. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're letting the forces of physics work on you to do all your movements, your spins, your jumps. It's the same thing. You're just letting the forces of the ocean do all the work for you. And you're the dancer that your job is to relax and let the ocean waltz you through the water. So what kind of board do you ride? I have a custom nine, six log that was made by the coffin shop and Hoku, uh, my, my shaper. And then I also ride a nine, six torque which is a model that you can go and buy at most um, surf shops or Craigslist. Um, I love Torque surfboards. They're great all-around boards. You can They're not really meant for nose riding, mm-hmm. uh, which is why I got a custom log. But Torques are excellent just all-around boards. Like, you know, a great beginner introduction board to surfing where you can do just about anything on them. And I still ride that board today. I love
1: it. Love it. So yeah, because I've been using like a foamy, or I'll like borrow my husband's boards, and I just feel like it's not really right for me, you know. So I was like, I have to ask her what kind of board she rides because it seems like you shred pretty well on them.
0: Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, foamies are uh not my favorite. I know that some people actually do really well on them. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, they're too destabilizing, especially Mm -hmm. if you're heavier. If -hmm. you're heavier, you really need This, this is one thing I want to say while I'm, I have the space to, if you are going surfing for the first time and you are a heavier woman and you are inexperienced, please do not get offended when someone offers you a large board, a 10 foot, 11 foot, 12 foot board, depending on your weight and height.
1: Mm. Um,
0: That is what is going to allow you to catch tons of waves. And it's going to take a lot of pressure off of your body to stabilize your board and paddle through the water. I think a lot of times women get really conscious when, um, smaller girls get smaller boards, but you just got to look at it as it's, um, it's congruent to your shape and size. If you are smaller and you're a beginner, you can write a smaller board because there's Mm -hmm. not as much of you to have to support on that board. Um, so I wouldn't look at it as a negative thing, which is something I've seen pretty consistently that women get upset about. They're like, well, the smaller girl got a smaller board and I ended up getting a bigger board. And now I feel bad about myself. It's like, if you were you know, going to pick out a bicycle, you wouldn't be picking out a child's bicycle. You'd be picking out a bike that's <laughs> yeah. your size. Plus, um, I feel like bigger boards are funner to ride. They're so much fun. If I, I mean, mm-hmm. anytime I get a chance, I'm always on a bigger board. Mm-hmm. I am like the biggest proponent for bigger boards. I agree. Um, and I just want to normalize that that's a okay. Like you yeah. don't need to be on a small board, to look cool, and be the it surfer girl. Like you're Nobody gonna cares. look silly yeah. <laughs> if you're trying to ride a board that's too small for you that you don't know how to ride yet. Yeah,
1: like and you could, like hurt yourself too. You know, like trying to like you know the wipeouts are wipeouts are serious. Well, you're so I love you're that. definitely
0: gonna feel very sore because you're pulling more of your body through the mm, water with less yeah, support.
1: So exactly, you can really
0: you know kind of get super super sore shoulders
1: yeah definitely so
0: what's next for you um well I have a curvy surfer girl collection swim line coming out soon we're going to be shooting um I, I partnered with a large company um that's pretty mainstream so I'm super excited about that um I'm going to be hosting a um like a local surf get together on the 22nd of May, which I've really got to get on my website. <laughs> um, Love and it. then we have the one year Kirby surfer girl anniversary coming up June 12th, which is a Saturday. And I'm thinking about doing like a large paddle out for all of the Kirby surfer girls that want to come out, meet each other and, um, you know, just have like some sisterhood moment, maybe capture some of it on camera. Amazing. Um, there's so many fun things.
1: I love that. You could do it even like internationally too. You could have everyone be like tagging you and posting and stuff. That would be amazing. Yeah.
0: That's kind of what I'm hoping for is that we can all share the moment, no matter where you are in the world, just find a break, you know, get your girlfriends together and go surf and celebrate.
1: I love it. Oh, that sounds so amazing. When is your swimsuit line going to be out?
0: Um, I want to say it's going to be launched at the end of May, um, beginning of June. We're doing the shoot for it on the 19th and we have some, um, thank you. We have some beautiful curvy surfer girls that are going to represent that. Um, and then after the shoot, I imagine within, you know, two to four weeks, it's going to be available for purchase. So, you know, it's really important that when brands do make plus size or curvier, collections that women buy them because it's really an indication on whether they should do it again or not
1: right um
0: and that's something that I'm really hoping this line does very well so that we can continue to encourage other brands like when a new brand comes to me and says well how did that collection do I really want to be able to confidently say it's sold out so that we can keep doing more of it with other brands
1: Totally. Oh my God. I already have so many people in mind that would love it. Yeah. We'll definitely have to connect on social so I can help spread the love about that line. That's so exciting. Yes. We've been working on it super hard. Me and the designers at the company, it's been
0: going on since like December. So we're we're approaching May now. So it's been like five
1: months more or less in the making from thought to, um, to garment. (laughs) Wow. That's insane. I love that so much. Well, congratulations on everything that you have accomplished and just like all of the barriers you're breaking down. It's so incredibly powerful and inspiring. And I ask all of my uh, guests this, but do you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners before I let you go? I think one thing I'd love to tell people is
0: that women belong in the water women belong in the water. And when I say women, I mean, anyone that is over the age of 18, a mother, uh, someone who has, you know, stretch marks and larger frame, um, older women belong in the water. I, I just want to really hit that home because nobody ever tells women of different ages and abilities that they should be in the ocean. And I just want to say that You should be in the ocean if you want to be, and I
1: celebrate you for for pursuing that. Amazing, thank you so much. All right, you guys, thank you so much for being here. I mean, wasn't that an amazing conversation? Thanks again to Elizabeth. If you guys love the show, I would love you so much if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Not only that, share on social media what you loved about the show. Tag me at Chef Bay. I will definitely, definitely repost it. And um, yeah, just share with a friend, you know? You never know who needs to hear this message. And that's why we create these podcasts, so that we can kind of help inspire and just help us all kind of grow a little bit, episode by episode. I feel super honored to be able to be in this space with you guys, to be able to be podcasting, to meet all of these incredible guests. Um, Yeah, I never would've thought this would've been my life just a few years ago. And so I'm just so grateful. I'm grateful for it all, 'all. y'all. This summer, we have a lot of amazing guests coming on the show we are ramping up for our big book launch this summer so just get ready for so many amazing things amazing opportunities to cook with me um and just like awesome guests that we'll have on and we're also having an ebook as a pre-sale special for the cookbook. So more info on that soon. But for now, you guys, I hope you have an incredible rest of your day, rest of your evening, whenever it is. Um, I hope you don't forget to eat your greens. And yeah, I cannot wait to see you in the next episode. As always, it's going to be a good one. Okay, you guys, I'll talk to you later. Bye.